Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Number two of Extra Point on this Monday, April 3rd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Some NBA discussion on the horizon as we're set to be joined by Sean Devaney from Heavy.com around 11.15. Plenty to get into trying to understand the new NBA, PA, uh, CBA agreements and see what uh, potentially New changes are on the horizon for all of that to expect to the 2023-2024 season, plus figure out uh, what to make of the NBA West. So plenty to get into with Sean Devaney, and we'll do that around 11.15. But let's reset the scene with today's poll questions. And there's a championship game tonight. That's between San Diego State and UConn. So the KDOS1060.com poll question, who do you have ATS on Monday night? San Diego State University plus 7.5 or UConn minus seven and a half numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app and UConn remains out in front 63% of the vote San Diego State 37% just give you a quick history of this point spread it opened six and then quickly went to eight uh, at uh, most locations and then got bet back down to seven and a half I just noticed in the last hour or so there are plenty of sevens popping up in Las Vegas at least in Nevada uh, at this point, and uh, most of these locations were sitting at seven and a half like an hour ago. So there's uh, some money today on San Diego State. We will get into this as an answer around 1130. Flipping it on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060, which is more accurate from Saturday. San Diego State won or Florida Atlantic lost. And San Diego State won out in front at 57.1%. Florida Atlantic lost 42.9% of the vote. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Yeah, I actually thought San Diego State would have a rough time. They committed all those fouls before the second television timeout in the second half on Saturday night. And uh, I think they benefited uh, to some extent uh, from some really horrendous shot selection early in the shot clock. Uh, Florida Atlantic kept jacking up threes. They made a lot of those threes in the first half, didn't make many, many of those in the second half. We'll get into much more of that around 11.30. The Suns. They beat the Thunder 128 to 118 yesterday. Kevin Durant, 35 points. He was 13 of 21, and he made two back-to-back threes that were key threes in the fourth quarter to help the Suns solidify the win. Devin Booker added 22 points. Ayton, 19 points, 11 rebounds on 8 of 12 from the floor. Back to seeing some of that screen and roll game, and not just with Chris Paul, too. There were some other guys getting involved in on the action. Foul trouble, though, for Chris Paul. Torrey Craig, who had five fouls. Booker himself had four fouls in the win. Yeah, this Booker foul problem thing is becoming uh, an issue, I think. It's something to pay attention to. He had two fouls rather quickly. Actually, he had two fouls both games rather quickly, if I remember correctly, Friday night, too. Uh, but, uh, yeah, whatever. They made it through. And, uh, you know, the uh, I think the best thing I saw yesterday 
and I got to admit, I was in and out of this game. They were up like 27, and I kind of dozed off for a little while, uh, but uh, regrouped at some strategical point. Uh, to the uh, I re, re, uh, regrouped to the point where I did see, uh, you know, Durant and Aiton, uh, you know, connected on some you know nice passings, uh, nice passes from Durant to Aiton. So as you mentioned, it wasn't just screen roll with uh, with Paul and Aiton, and uh, you know, Aiton. Uh, yeah, got more shots than I think he's normally going to get when all four of the you know so-called four stud players are on the floor, uh, and they took advantage of that. And Oklahoma City obviously doesn't really have a whole lot to uh, they, they they don't defend the rim at all, uh, so they didn't have much of an issue as far as just physically kind of uh, dominating when they uh, were able to take advantage of their you know the size domination or the size advantage, I should say. It was a good weekend for the Suns. They remained in fourth in the West with a small, tiny cushion over the Clippers, but it grew just a little bit. A 43-35 and 35 for the Suns. Uh, the Nuggets are... 52 and 26 as they continue to lead. The Grizzlies 49 and 29. The Kings 47 and 31. The Suns sitting in fourth, 43 and 35. The Clippers in fifth at 41 and 38. Warriors sixth, 41 and 38. Lakers now seventh at 40 and 38. Pelicans eighth, 40 and 38. The Timberwolves in ninth, 39 and 40. Thunder in tenth at 38 and 41. And the Dallas Mavericks right now on the outside looking in. Yeah, I don't have the numbers here, uh, but it's been a while since the Suns are three games up in the loss column against the Clippers. They only have four games left in the season for the Suns, and three of those are at home. So you would think they're in pretty good shape here. Obviously, they haven't lost a game that Durant has played thus far. Uh, the Clippers, without Paul George, are certainly you know stumbling. To the, pretty much everybody in the Western Conference is stumbling to the finish line here, except for the Suns and uh, and Memphis has actually had you know, a nice stretch here even before Morant came back from the injury. They're winning quite a few games. Uh, you know, this is interesting as well because we have spent some time on this show discussing how bad the Warriors have been on the road, and, and rightfully so. It, it's 9-30. and 30. That's atrocious, especially for a team like the Warriors. But the West in general, if you parse out these numbers – the West as a whole is terrible on the road. There is only one team that is over 500 on the road in the West this season, and that's the Sacramento Kings. Who would have guessed that one to start the season? The Sacramento Kings at 24 and 14 on the road. The Nuggets are 19 and 19, sitting at 500. The Clippers 20 and 20, sitting at 500. Then the Lakers of all teams as well are at 19 and 20. Uh, the Suns 17 and 23, and the Grizzlies. 15 and 23 so just kind of interesting here that this road being in the western conference and playing games on the road is not going well yeah it is i mean i don't know how much has to do with load management and so forth as far as the nuggets obviously they have a huge home court advantage when they're playing at home in the altitude especially against teams that had to play the night before and then go to denver that's been a, you know, a, a good betting proposition for decades, and that certainly hasn't changed this year. As far as the Warriors are concerned, they're quite frankly not playing particularly well anywhere right now. And I also think that uh, this notion that, uh, I, that we kind of, uh, you know, at least on this show we've talked about, I think this notion that the Western Conference is superior, uh, which has been the case for most of the last few years, that ain't the case anymore. And to me, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit with Sean in the next segment, 
the fact that, uh, you know, to me, it's Milwaukee and Boston and maybe somebody in the West can challenge those two teams. Yeah, we have definitely talked about that and, and just how they have really separated themselves. And even in the East, uh, you know, people have tried to, to put the 76ers just below them. But you really feel like there's a much larger gap between those two teams and then the 76ers and then a much larger gap between them and the Cavaliers. I think we kind of have like, a, you know, three tiers here. I think you have the uh, Boston-Milwaukee tier. And then you have you know, maybe the Philadelphia tier or whoever you want to throw in in the West, and then everybody else is in the third tier. And uh, everybody in that everybody else category, uh, I'm not sure what to think of them. And I don't really know what to think of the Suns, and I don't think I'm going to have any idea what I think of the Suns. I'm certainly not going to learn anything. Didn't learn anything the last two games they played you know, over the weekend against Denver in Sacramento, and uh, they got four games this week, and I don't think we're going to learn anything in these games either, quite frankly. We just need to wait till the playoffs start and uh, go from game to game at that point. At least that's going to be my viewpoint and my, my approach. Uh, you mentioned the Warriors here and how we ha- haven't been good on the road and, and currently not really very good wherever they play. Uh, a report came out earlier this morning that it looks like Andrew Wiggins is expected to be back this week. Um, I guess I didn't realize how important Andrew Wiggins really was to this Warriors team, but he's been he's at least on paper math wise. He's been a, a glue to to this team so far. Well, he's, you know, I know Draymond gets all this credit for whatever, but uh, to me, Wiggins is really their best defender. You know, Clay Thompson's not as good a defensive player after he came back from the multiple injuries. You know, Green's certainly good, uh, but I think Green is more valuable to them at the offensive end. He sets screens. He's a tremendous passer. He and Steph have a, a really good rapport. Uh, you know, basically you know, a lot of the Steph baskets are set up either by screens or passes from green. Uh, but to me, Wiggins is, uh, he's certainly their best perimeter defender at this stage of their careers. Uh, throw all those, all the warriors together. And he's really good at that. And I think that's where he's been missed the most. And, you know, they're nine and 30 on the road and their road stats defensively are just awful among some of the worst in the NBA. And I'm sure they wouldn't be that awful if he had played more more games this season. Wiggins has missed 22 straight games attending to a family matter, and Adrian Wojnarowski, at least one of the people reporting that he is expected back uh, with the team this week. As for the Suns, they host the Spurs tomorrow at 7 p.m. We will step aside, make room for Sean Devaney of Heavy.com to join us on the other side of the break. We'll pick his brain, see if he can make uh, make sense of what the NBA and the NBA PA agreed to in a new seven-year collective bargaining agreement touch on a few of those items and then transition into what's taking place on the court in the nba so we'll be joined by sean devaney next right here on kdos am 1060 kdos1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports apple and android users download it today register and take advantage of the listener rewards that we have available for you he's bob kemp i'm kayla mortellaro it is the extra point here on KDUS AM 1060.
Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kemp's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We pop on out to the KDOS hotline, Sean Devaney, heavy.com joining us. Sean, it's Bob and Kayla. Thanks for the time today. How are you? Hey, Kayla. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome here. So before we get into the games and the teams with you, Sean, the NBA and the NBAPA agreed to a new seven-year collective bargaining agreement. There is an attempt to curb load management with the NBA saying players aren't eligible for postseason awards if they don't play in a minimum of 65 games. The one-and-done rule, which seemed like it was going away, is staying. And it looks like the in-season tournament could happen as soon as the 2023-2024 season. So first up, can you explain how the in-season tournament would work? Does it count toward regular season games played? And how shocked were you that the one-and-done is staying? You know, I, I, I've been talking to some people about the one and done, and it certainly seems like, you know, while there was some momentum to uh, to maybe make some changes, there wasn't uh, a, a, any strong agreement on how to go about that, on how to go about, you know, what what would, what, what that would look like. Um, and so while I, I don't think anybody loves the system right now, nobody had anything better. And so, uh, you know, the, the the bigger problem was okay. Let's let let's make sure we get a new uh, uh, a new collective bargaining agreement here, uh, and 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 that's what they uh, uh, that's what they wind up doing, and and they just kind of shelved that. Uh, that's been the case with that rule pretty much since it came into being. That 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 nobody really likes it, but nobody's got anything better, so they wind up uh, uh, they wind up kicking the can down the road. So, uh, so yeah, that's how that, and you know the. The, the in-season tournament, uh, you know, I I don't think it's a great idea. I don't think it's something that, you know, it's 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 a very uh, European idea. You know, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of leagues in Europe have this sort of thing, and um, and you know, I think the idea is obviously uh, let's find a way to make a little bit more money. <laughs> that's that's certainly part of it, uh, but it's it is it is something that uh, uh, that I you know I just don't think that there was really a big taste. For this, uh, at this point, I think uh, um, you know that that the NBA is looking for anything it can do to kind of, uh, especially in 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 the midseason, you know, where you get into the doldrums of the season, uh, you know, try to tr- try to add some life to things, uh, and uh, and it just I just don't know that this is an idea that that American fans are really going to latch on to. So uh, you know, certainly a money grab. I think there's no question about that, but. Um, uh, but yeah, you, you know the one and done rule. That was that was the one that uh, um, was surprising to me because I think a lot of people want to have it changed. Uh, but at the same time, it wasn't surprising because I know you know nobody's got something that's uh, uh, an idea that everybody likes. All right. So as far as this season goes, uh, are Milwaukee and Boston the two best teams? Are we trying to just figure out who the third best team is at this point? Yeah, but you know, I I think with both of those teams, uh, you know, one thing we've seen is 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 that both of them are flawed. You, you know, so uh, I think they are certainly the best teams. I think uh, the expectation is that 
the Eastern Conference Finals will will, will very much be um, you know the NBA Finals. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, both of those teams can be beaten. You know, I mean, I I, I think there's uh, you know certainly in, in the experience department with Boston, uh, some of the depth stuff with Boston. Um, you know, they, they they are a deep team when they're completely healthy, but. Uh, you know, it's just impossible to look at them and, and suggest that they're going to be healthy uh, in June, considering uh, the age on guys like uh, uh, like Al Horford and the history of a guy like uh, you know Robert Williams and, and you know even uh, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. He's been healthy this year, but you know you just don't know if you can if you can count on that. So you know, I, I, I think with both of those teams, uh, yeah, at at full strength, they're they're both going to be uh uh considered the best in the in the league it's just uh i you know i think there's asterisks there that it's not a foregone conclusion that that whoever wins the east is going to win the championship and it's not a foregone conclusion really that 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 either one of those teams is going to be the one that that does win the east Sean Devaney, Heavy.com, right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Points. I'll keep the conversation in the Eastern Conference. The Cavaliers have been a fun surprise. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell is an incredible basketball player. Uh, So, you know, in this kind of tier system that you have maybe in the East, where do you put them and what's the next step for the Cavaliers? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's no question that they are, uh, they've been a, a fun story and 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 the year that uh, that Donovan Mitchell has had uh, has has been has been uh, uh, has been impressive. I think that for one thing, they 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 just need more experience. I mean, you're looking at a a roster of guys who really just hasn't done much uh, in terms of the postseason, uh, and is going to have to learn, uh, you know, what it takes and and how to do things. Uh, uh, that that that's going to be a big. Uh, uh, a, a big question mark for them as they go forward. Um, you know, can they play the level of defense that they have at times during the regular season? Have, can they carry that into the playoffs and do it more consistently? That's going to be – I think they also need a little more depth. You know, I think they need to, uh, you know, really sort out uh, uh, who else are the scorers around around Donovan Mitchell and, and, and how, that, uh, uh, how that shapes up. Um, you know, there's 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 still a lot of question marks there, but um, you know, considering where they were and considering where that franchise has been without LeBron James, you know, really going back to you can go back to the uh, uh, to the '90s with that. Um, you know, the, the Cavaliers have have had a hard time in the NBA, no question, uh, without LeBron James. Uh, so so to have a team that that's completely LeBron James free and moved on, uh, you know, that's uh, uh, that's been something that, uh, um, you know, is a real positive for them to be where they are. Okay, shifting to the West, uh, the Suns, you know, we're going to a couple weeks, hopefully, uh, assuming everything's okay with Durant from here on out, uh, with Durant and uh, Eaton back in the lineup. Uh, what do we think of the Suns heading in, and is it a big deal that they get a little more cohesion this week, or can they just you know, figure it out during the – week off they're going to have between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Look, with a with, with a lot of star players, I think if you if you were to drop them into 
uh, different rosters and, and, and not have a lot of chemistry and things like that, um, you, you know, you'd probably say uh, there's just not going to be enough time for them to get things together and figure out how to play together, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Kevin Durant just isn't that kind of guy, though. You know, he is the guy that you could just drop into a, uh, into a lineup. Your team becomes immediately better, uh, and, and you can really just play sort of instinctual basketball when you've got Kevin Durant out there, uh, and, and he's going to make the right plays. Uh, and and if things get in des- desperate situations and it's, and there's you know four seconds left on the clock and you can't get a shot, then then having uh, uh, Kevin Durant taking a, a contested 18 footer is still a pretty good shot, you know. So uh, it, it's a situation where, like I say, most star players you really do need more time. Uh, with Durant, I'm not sure you really do. So um, yeah, that 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 makes them dangerous. Um, and and with the way the rest of the Western Conference has gone, um, you know, the, the, you've got to at least consider them uh, among the top uh, uh, two, three teams to come out of the West, if not the favorite. I mean, I, I, if there's any team that would scare me in the Western Conference, it would be the Phoenix Suns, uh, more so than Denver, certainly more so than, uh, you know, in Memphis, or more so than uh, than even Golden State. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I, I'd worry about some of the other teams with some of the chemistry issues and things like that. I'm not that worried about the Suns. I just think that when you get the playoff, if everybody stays healthy, uh, then, uh, then that's a very, very dangerous team, probably the best team in the West. Sean Devaney, Heavy.com here on KDOS AM 1060. Let's stay with that thought. So the Nuggets are are leading the West. They've been leading here for a while. Jokic has sat out a couple of games. Maybe they could just be resting him uh, for the rest of the regular season. Oh, I guess we'll have to f- wait and figure that out. But the Nuggets have had, I guess, some issues kind of getting over the hurdle Grizzlies are in second place and they're a young team that really kind of took things by storm last postseason but they've had some off the court issues that they've been dealing with this year and the Kings the absolute surprise team in third so when you kind of look at that top heavy bunch here uh, they who do you think could potentially be the threat there is it the Nuggets with Jokic and now that he has his supporting cast back yeah, I mean, and, and but even as you're rattling off those teams with all the with all the uh, uh, the parentheses that go with them, uh, you know, you can see why none of that. I mean, does Sacramento really scare anybody? You know, or are they just going to say, "Hey, look, we're in the playoffs. We haven't been here in 17 years," and uh, and and that's it. They punched out after the first round. Nobody would be surprised by that. Uh, you know, Denver. I think the health issue is probably something that, and, and certainly the experience issue. I mean, they've just never. Uh, that's not. They, they went to the conference finals, I believe, once, um, uh, and uh, and and you know, I think that was in the bubble, if I recall. So, uh, you know, it's it's it, they're not a very convincing team either. So, um, you know, I I would say probably Memphis scares me just because. Um, you, you know, when you have those off-court issues and everything that they've gone through with, with John Morant and all that, you can have two reactions. One is, you know, it becomes a distraction, you think, or the other reaction is you rally together and it's a, an us-versus-them kind of thing. And, um, you know, and it becomes something that can carry you. Um, so, you know, that, that would scare me in terms of Memphis. Um, everybody else, I think, that, that, that there's a pretty big, uh, uh, you know, certainly talent-wise, I think you're, you're probably most afraid of Denver. Uh, but like I said, it's just not a team that, that's done anything and they haven't done it consistently. 
Um, and, and, you know, certainly they haven't played well in the last month either. Uh, so I think Memphis, like I say, just because you can have that us versus them kind of thing, um, I think Memphis is probably the team that, uh, uh, that would worry me. Okay, on to the Warriors we go. Uh, I think mm. we talked a few weeks ago, and I wondered uh, whether they're just going to snap their fingers and defend people when it matters. I know Wiggins is expected to return this week. How much will that help their defense, and are they going to just snap their fingers and start guarding people when the playoffs start? Yeah, and start guarding people on the road. I mean, that's probably the right. big issue there uh, is, uh, you know, they've, they've played pretty well at home. Um, you know, they've had a, a, a lot of wins where they've had to come back from, you know, 15 to 20 points uh, and win games at home, but they've done it. You know, I mean, like to see them not get down by 15 to 20 points to start with, but, uh, but um, you know, they've, they've been able to do that at home. And, and you know, talking to some coaches um, in the Western Conference, the thing that, uh, that they all sort of said is, you know, you get into the playoffs and, and if you've got a team that, 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 that just seemed to – uh, that they can't lose at home, and they've got to go out and win one game on the road to, to switch and uh, and have a home court advantage. You know, a team like the Warriors that 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 that, that would worry you. You know, because uh, because they're so good at home, uh, and as bad as they've been on the road, you know, that's still a team that has so much playoff experience that uh, you know that, that that you'd have to worry about that. So, uh, but yeah, it is a team that chemistry wise, I'd I'd be concerned with, and I think that's the big thing for Steve Kerr right now is, um, you know, they just haven't been together, you know, really since January 15th, I think, uh, is the uh, is the last time they had that starting five together. Uh, and that's, that's an awful long time to go. Um, and that's affected their bench. It's affected the chemistry uh, coming, you know, coming in with that second unit. And, and uh, then you add Gary Payton Jr. back to the mix, and he's just, just getting back into it. Uh, you know, he'll only have a couple weeks before the playoffs start. So, um, you know, there's a lot to ask there of the chemistry of that team. And I just don't know that there's enough time for them to, uh, uh, to really pull that together. So, um, you, you know, certainly they're going to have all the pieces and that, that, that's enough to make you nervous. But, uh, uh, I think, I think, I think that is a team that does require, we talked about how Kevin Durant, you don't really need that chemistry when you've got, when you've got him. I think the Warriors, they, they, they do play a lot off their chemistry and, and I just don't think there's going to be enough time for them to rebuild that. He's Sean Devaney, heavy.com, right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, what do you think is going to happen here with Nick Nurse and the Raptors? He's already said that he will take time after the season to consider his future. There was conversations about his future last offseason. So uh, where has things with Nick Nurse and the team kind of progressed? I, I think what that means basically is we'll see what else is out there. Um, you know, I think he'd like to maybe go back to Houston, uh, you know, which is team that that he came up with and uh and 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 really kind of helped develop his style of coaching uh if and and you know there's this sort of a coaching etiquette where uh look there's Stephen Silas still has that job so you know if 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 that's the case then Nick Nurse isn't going to say yeah I'd like to go to Houston uh you know and 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 as soon as they fire the other guy you know that's that's not something he's going to say so uh you know I think it's a matter of you know we're going to see how things develop there uh, elsewhere, and and what the other jobs open uh, might be, and uh, and 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 then he'll go ahead and 
and try to take one of those. You know, maybe the Clippers, uh, we'll see what happens with Ty Lue. I think he's safe there. Uh, but, you know, certainly a first-round exit, and, you know, they're going to have the new building next year. You know, there's a chance that they could uh, – and obviously they, they – they, uh, Nick Nurse won a championship with, with Kawhi Leonard. So, um, you know, there's something there. So it, it's more a matter of, okay, what other jobs are out there. I think Houston's the big one, though. If if, if they want making a move there, uh, then I think uh, uh, I think you could see Nick Nurse uh, bolting Toronto and, and, and heading back to the Rockets. Okay, last one for me, the Mavericks. Uh, you know, they're considering shutting down Luka and Kyrie. Why hasn't that worked out? Was it just kind of doomed from the start? Yeah, it was It was kind of a bad idea from the start. I think everybody knew it, but you just kind of looked at where Dallas was, and, you know, they didn't have a whole lot else to lose uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of making that move and just seeing if, if maybe it worked. Uh, and that was the thought, the thought process all along. That's not a great way to build a team, obviously. Is hey, let's try this. We never tried this before. Let's try. It. Uh, you know, just defensively, it's just a terrible, terrible defensive team. Uh, you know, not only are you bringing in uh, Kyrie Irving, who's a terrible defender, to go with Luka Doncic, who's no great defender himself, uh, but you also, I mean, they traded away probably the glue of their defense with Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, you know, not a great player, but but a very very good defensive player and and very important in terms of the role that he played for that team. So so once you put all those factors together, just a terrible defensive team. And uh, you know, it's fun to, at times to watch them uh, score, and and to but it was also fun to watch the other team score against them. Uh, and, uh, and you know, again, that's that's not a great it's not a great plan for building a team. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, um, it's hard to say where they go next now because they, they traded away some assets to make this happen. Uh, and now they've got to decide what they're going to do, you know, because Kyrie Irving's going to be a free agent. So, you know, what do you pay him and, uh, uh, do you pay him? Uh, and, uh, if you don't, then, uh, you know, is there a sign and trade you can make? Probably not. You know, this, so, so you probably will have given away assets for nothing if you let him leave. If you re-sign him and bring him back, now you're committing to a guy who didn't make your team any better, you know, made your team worse. And you have a situation where eventually Luka Doncic's going to start saying, hey, guys, what's going on here? Uh, you know, do I need to go somewhere else? So, uh, yeah, they've, they've, they've dug themselves uh, uh, a pretty good hole here, and it's, it's hard to see how to get out of it. Sean, as always, we greatly appreciate your time, expertise, and love chatting with you. We'll do it again soon. Okay, guys, nice talking to you. Once again, he is Sean Devaney with Heavy.com. You know, it's funny that he mentioned there about uh, the, the Mavericks and what on earth it is that they're doing and how they have this major decision to make in the offseason. I think we all kind of saw that major decision impending in the offseason, and especially if it didn't work, uh, you're kind of headed door, towards a path of like, is the actual plan just to blow the whole thing up and start over and and move on from a keystone cornerstone piece of Luka Doncic because he might get really frustrated about being there. He's frustrated. There's no doubt about that. He seems very unhappy. He said he's unhappy, and I don't think it's necessarily a direct shot at uh, Kyrie, but you know, th- I think their season was doomed as soon as Jalen Brunson left. It's poll question time. On the other side of the break, we'll answer KDOS1060.com and the Twitter poll question at KDOSAM1060. He's Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here on KDOSAM1060 in the Extra Point.
Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. Thanks to Sean Devaney of Heavy.com for joining us in the previous segment, talking all things NBA. And if you missed any of the conversation, you can always podcast uh, interviews and shows. KDOS1060.com is a certain place to do that. You can also do it uh, on the app, KDOS1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. Or you can also find it on Spotify and Apple, where you get your podcasts. It's The Extra Point. He's Bob Kemp. I'm Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today. Today, as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's get into the poll questions. There's a championship game to be played tonight, NCAA tournament, and we'll find out who is the winner, San Diego State or UConn. But for the purposes of our question, who do you have ATS on Monday night? San Diego State plus 7.5, UConn minus 7.5. Numbers come in from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. As I forecast last week, I wasn't going to have any money on any of these games this weekend, and I'm counting Monday for the weekend here. And that hasn't changed. That number I figured would be about seven, and it opened six, went to eight. Uh, if I had to do anything, and for the purpose of the question here, I would lay it before I would take it. Uh, and I've been an advocate of San Diego State since before the tournament started. I think I liked them more than most. I never really thought that they'd make it to the championship game at the start of the tournament. But I certainly uh, liked them plus the points when they played Alabama. When they, you know, they beat Alabama, they beat Creighton, and they beat uh, Florida Atlantic. And I think all three of those games had a whole lot to do with the physicality that San Diego State has against those three opponents specifically and others. Uh, But I don't think they have that physical advantage in this game tonight. Assuming, it certainly, hopefully, Hawkins isn't going to be throwing up between timeouts in the hallway like he was on Saturday during the first half. Uh, and Andre Jackson isn't going to have two fouls before you get to the second uh, television timeout. But, you know, certainly physically speaking, with uh, just the, you know, not just the length, but the physical size that Connecticut has, I don't think that. Uh, that uh, Connecticut uh, is uh, you know, going to you know back down like a uh, you know back down is a strong term, but I think that San Diego State just physically defeated the last three opponents they've uh, faced in the tournament, and a lot of those games they came back, and I think that the physical wear and tear played a role in uh, them advancing as far as they have to their credit, but I think that ends tonight. Uh, I am also thinking UConn wins this game. Sonogo is certainly playing at a completely different level. Plus, when you couple that with the hot outside shooting, I know SDSU has a great defense and could make this a little bit tougher. Uh, They also have the ability to defend the perimeter uh, much better and force the guards into some turnovers and things of that nature that maybe uh, UConn hasn't seen previously. But on the flip side of that, uh, maybe SDSU hasn't seen the caliber of play that UConn has on the court. So I think when you kind of combine all of that together, I do believe that UConn is going to win this game. Do I want to be sitting comfortably thinking that UConn has to win by eight? No, I do not. Uh, I understand that they have yet to lose, or I'm sorry, yet to win a, a game by less than 13 points in this tournament, but crazy things potentially happen in championship games. Uh, so I want no part of needing eight points for UConn to win, even though I do believe they are uh, the much better team and will get the win. 
Yeah, I'll just add, uh, kind of repeat what I mentioned earlier in the show, is obviously San Diego State's won close games, not just the last two games by a point apiece, but uh, they've won you know, several games in this tournament by seven points or fewer. And uh, when UConn's played close games this year, uh, they have not been good in close games. In fact, uh, uh, last I looked, and I didn't double-check this, actually, I kind of half-looked, and I heard this mentioned during the broadcast on Saturday that uh, they were 0-4 and four in, in games decided by four, four or five points or less, one of those two. Uh, so uh, you know, keep it close and see what happens. And uh, I think that's San Diego State's uh, chance. And uh, defensively, you know, they've been really good during the season. But I just think that this is a not the physical mismatch it has been for San Diego State against uh, teams that they've uh, played earlier in this tournament. Uh, UConn masses are a little bit more convicted than I. 73% of the vote is on UConn minus seven and a half. SDSU plus seven and a half at 27% of the vote. That is KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060 from Saturday, which is more accurate, San Diego State won or Florida Atlantic lost. Uh, I am on the uh, side of things that San Diego State won. It's a it's a 40 minute game and at different parts of the game each team's strengths were thriving and so f fau certainly got off to a hot start from behind the arc sdsu has you know the strength of being able to defend the perimeter and they certainly had that defensive effort uh in the second half kind of closing things out on fau in addition to that sdsu uh you know has the hustle plays they have the strong defense they have the the rebounding ability and they showed that uh especially with those pivotal uh, feel, uh, foul shot opportunities that were missed, and they continued to get the offensive boards. Also, in addition to that, John L. Davis didn't play well for FAU. Maybe that had a bit of a factor in the outcome, but I do think that the comeback was San Diego State's methodical approach, never giving up, and kind of forcing FAU's hand, and so I think SDSU won this contest. I'm on the other side here. I think FAU just played really stupid basketball. They had, you know, seven team fouls on San Diego State in the first six minutes of the second half. They didn't take advantage of that. You know, they were aggressive. They made threes in the first half. That was kind of fool's gold in the second half. But they took a lot of stupid shots early in the shot clock when they had a double-digit lead. And that had a lot to do with San Diego State getting in back into this game quicker than they should have gotten back into this. And even the last possession of the game, I mean, it was just uh, didn't quite understand really what either team was doing. If I were San Diego State, I would have fouled earlier and tried to extend the game, but they didn't. Uh, then uh, the previous mentioned Janelle Davis, uh, for whatever reason, beelined it to the basket when they still had five, six seconds left in the shot clock. And the fact that obviously he wasn't successful, they didn't get the rebound, and San Diego State came down and won the game. Uh, to me, this was completely a more of a meltdown of Florida Atlantic than it was San Diego State doing a whole bunch of things to win, considering the circumstances, and especially because they had him in the penalty. You know, six minutes into the second half, they were shooting the bonus, and they didn't really take advantage of that opportunity very often. 
The masses are on. San Diego State won 53.3% of the vote. Florida Atlantic lost 46.7%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. As it is for San Diego State tonight, they are in their first uh, championship game looking for their first NCAA tournament victory uh, for NCAA tournament championship victory. Uh, In addition to that, UConn is looking for their fifth NCAA tournament championship. So we'll see how all of that unfolds tonight, 6.20 p.m. on CBS. We wrap things up on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. One more segment to go happening next. to bring KTUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa? Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KTUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open KTUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. This Monday, April 3rd edition. He's Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you for this final segment. It's that time once again. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else. Also slipped through the cracks, he tried to say. Uh, Our guest today, we thank them. Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. We look back at the Saturday games uh, with Kevin and looked ahead to tonight's game. And he, like myself, thinks uh, that uh, not much of a betting perspective here as far as tonight. That number of 7-8, just about right, kind of what we figured. Uh, so I uh, got, uh, you know, he's favored uh, UConn to win the game, but it's not, not comfortable laying the points. And also we talked NBA with Sean Devaney from Heavy.com. Among other things, we covered a little bit of the Suns and the Warriors. Didn't mention the Lakers. I don't think we talked about the Lakers, but they're making a run. Uh, Sound of the day courtesy of CBS, Bally Sports Arizona, Bally Sports Arizona Extra. Also, uh, TEX 105.3 and also WTAM. And uh, those are uh, the WTAM in Milwaukee? No, that's not in Milwaukee. WTAM. I'm just going to leave it at that. All right. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla and Corey and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Bail me out. All right. Up next, right here on KDOS AM 1060, from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio, followed by uh, the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Who with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, and James Out West from 7 to 8 tonight. ASU Baseball, 
They won two of three over Cal, including a nine-run eighth inning yesterday to send them on to victory. So uh, ASU baseball continuing their winning ways, and they will actually have four games on our station here this week. Tuesday, they are taking on Seattle. That gets underway at 6 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060. And then in anticipation of the Easter weekend, it's going to be a third. Thursday, Friday, Saturday contest against WSU. And you can always head on over to KDOS1060.com and click on the live sports tab to follow along with the ASU baseball coverage that we have. Speaking of baseball, Bob, did you see this, that Fox Sports has dropped Frank Thomas from their Major League Baseball coverage as Derek Jeter is set to join the mix. But Derek Jeter is only expected to be a part of a few of their broadcasts. And I don't think we're supposed to see him until like June. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the, uh, I like the, certainly the play-by-play folks for Fox I like a lot, but their studio folks for several years running, I haven't paid much attention or any attention to any of that. Diamondbacks are at the Padres tonight, 6.40 p.m. Valley Sports, Arizona. Ryan Nelson and Ryan Weathers for the Padres. Uh, is there anything that you're looking to see from Ryan Nelson in this particular setup and start for him uh, in his young career? Not specifically tonight. I mean, long term, and uh, you know, with the Bumgarner situation, uh, whether he's going to miss a start or not, uh, they need somebody to step up. And you know, the two things I was most concerned about regarding the Diamondbacks before the season started were their starting rotation: is it deep enough, and is their lineup good enough? And uh, those things haven't changed. And Good for them that they were able to score seven runs in four games to begin the season in LA, and they won two of them. Yes, off to a two and two start. Basically, everyone in the NL West is off to a two and two start, except for the Giants. They're uh, they you know, they didn't yeah. make that happen. That would true. That's true. They well, they also played at Yankee Stadium, so that's probably not going to go too well. Plus, they also had some injuries, unfortunately, for the Giants. Uh, as far as the Padres go, uh, one thing to maybe pay attention to is a fly. Assuming Juan Soto is still playing left field after this past weekend. We learned last year that he really couldn't play right field. Remember, he actually played left field when he first came up. Uh, he made a couple of really – he butchered a couple of plays uh, on uh, – get my nights mixed up here – the first two games of their season. And uh, those largely helped contribute to losses for the Padres to begin the season against Colorado. Masters week. It's here. Augusta National, the year's first major on the men's tour. Certainly going to be an exciting time – uh, the galleries of photos that I've already seen are a couple of rows deep watching Tiger Woods hit it around as he is teeing it up. 18 live golfers are playing. Rory, Scotty, John Rahm, kind of the anointed big three right now in the world of golf. We'll see if one of them can uh, win their first green jacket or Scotty Scheffler defend his title. Plenty to get into in terms of the Masters and a whole bunch of other fun things. But tonight, it's College Basketball Championship, San Diego State and UConn. Sports Zone with Bob Kemp is with you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Enjoy your Monday night.